Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. Check out our calendar of Metro Atlanta tennis events at letsgotennis.com, where you can also find deals on equipment, apparel, and members get 10% off our shop. So go get yourself an Atlanta Tennis Monsters shirt. I've got mine, and I wear it all the time. In this episode, we talk to Murphy Jensen, co-founder of We Connect Recovery, whose mission is to be a life-saving haven for those dealing with mental health and substance use challenges. Have a listen, and let us know what you think. Just so you uh, go tennis folks, no, this is not, a couple of weeks ago was the best time of my tennis life. I played my best stuff in last week of May, first week of June. Not my best stuff was uh, during the grass court season. And I've been known to be late for a few Wimbledon matches. And so to be late for go tennis, just tell me <laughs> <laughs> just, you, you can't you can't buy this kind of consistency for the tennis this is true and I, and I like that 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 leads me right into that first question because yeah we all we all know who you were I mean, everybody knows we, we know the stories of getting what locked in a hallway for hours I mean you've you've had you've had some fun stories to tell but I want to focus on who you are now so mm-hmm. as opposed to who you were who are you now other than a technical pro and a guy. Tech giant. My wife will uh, argue with me when I say I'm a tech giant. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Size matters in this case. Um, I want to I talk about who you are now, like Murphy yep. Jensen. The question is, we, we're going to talk about WeConnect. We're going to talk about AEDs. I'm going to ask you the king of tennis question. So you're going to get the king of tennis answer at the end. So you got the whole time to think about it. But right now, I, just, I want to hear about you. I know. You've, uh, can we say you've changed? <laughs> I don't know if I've, have we started? <laughs> we're live. Uh, and we're live on Go Tennis, and we are live in Rockin' and Rollin' on your Go Tennis YouTube channel. We are. And is anybody watching live today yet? I'm certain my wife is watching. Oh, excellent. Um, so we have ooh. at least her. We, we all think we know. I'm still trying to figure out who I was and where I've been. And currently, I'm still figuring out who I am. That will be a lifetime project and task. Who I am. Who I am, really. I'll tell you, the, what I've gone through, I've grown through. I know that sounds like a bumper sticker but it's the truth and who I am today is a direct reflection of overcoming uh, my setbacks, um, overcoming certain times of suffering that are all part of the human condition. I've learned more from my losses in life than my wins and that it's made me the person I am today. I like to say, 
and feel like I am grateful for that I'm just another bozo on the bus called life. And that my job today is to be of service to anybody and everybody that reaches their hand out for help for any reason. Hey, can you help me with my groceries? Hey, you're tall. Can you help me put this big, heavy bag in the overhead bin on the airplane? Hey, um, I'm hurting and, I do, and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. I heard you overcome some hurt and some scared, Murphy. How did you do it? Um, so who I am today, I'm Murphy. I'm someone in long-term recovery from mental health challenges and substance use disorder. In my first life, I was a professional tennis player and French Open champ. You know, and currently I'm the co-founder of We Connect Health Management, a digital healthcare solution, a mobile application with support and services for mental health and addiction services with peer recovery support specialists who we serve our health plans, hospital systems, employers, you know, um, anybody and everybody that reaches their hand out for help or needs help, you know, getting through the next 24 hours, the next 24 seconds. You know, I, I relate a lot of my stuff to my tennis game today. I'm playing a lot of tennis today. And whether it's in my work life at We Connect Health Management or facing break point, five, six in the third, second serve, this Hungarian monster, six, six, with fangs is foaming at the mouth because he's just going to take my little waffle kicker and make me eat it. I'm scared. What do I do? Do I throw uh, a Bobby drop shot? You know, go underhand serve for this one? Do pull a Michael Chang? Or do I, uh, do I relax and release and breathe and have faith and trust that I've got what it takes? And I, uh, I will not regret going for that second serve. And it's a fine line between stupid and clever in this thing called life. You know, will I go for a, this much margin for air, like Sean might do, or will I get it in the that little box, throw some kicker spin? And leave room for a miracle that a Hungarian animal is going to hit it over the fence. You know, I said to Francis Tiapo in one of his first professional matches, I said, to Francis, it scores 2 2. He's playing Benjamin Becker in world team tennis. I said, Do you want to be in the Hall of Fame someday? Neither player has made a shot, and the score is 2 2. And he says, Yeah, I want to be in the Hall of Fame, Coach Murphy. I said, Well, Francis. And this applies to life. If you want to win, you have to hit it in. <laughs> you know, all the fancy footwork and the, the spin, and we can, we can complicate a fart in the game of tennis or in life, or we can keep it simple. 
and we can put it over the net in the box one more time than the other guy. When I'm doing Monday or Tuesday with everybody else. And so back to my original statement, my job is to serve. That's my baseline. And my serve, uh, Luke would say my brother was one of the best parts of my game. And it wasn't because I served like Kevin Anderson or or Sam Query or John Isner. It was because it was reliable. You know, I could get that in under pressure, you know, and I could and I and I hit a ball that didn't get me hurt. You know, there's the right shot, the wrong shot, and the one that doesn't get you hurt, or your partner hurt, or you know, and so. And it's more of a neutral deal. And, and I live life today in neutral a lot. You know, I'm grateful to be on the show with you guys and, and uh, to be able to share the work I've been blessed to do in the last eight years building this tech company has been the most impactful and important work of my life. We've served upwards to 500,000. We're approaching a million you know, in the next year or two um, from 30 countries with support group meetings and peer services that that uh, help people. And it's the feedback I get, man, I was dying and now I'm living. And I know what it was like to be dying. And, and where I am today, I never, ever could have imagined that I would be here with you. Um, this is a tennis podcast. And I want anybody that hears this tennis podcast to hear it from me first. A tennis court, this is the first time I've ever said this, saved my life. What are you talking about, Murphy? Well, and this will probably lead into your next question, and I'm cheating for you, Sean. <laughs> a year and a half ago, I died on a tennis court. I was dead for 18 minutes. And I have questions. <laughs> Let's go. And I've had too much coffee, obviously. <laughs> that 18 minutes is a different podcast, by the way, but I have questions. <laughs> What are they? Oh, no, no, different. I mean, when we when we say you were dead for 18 minutes and I kind of put in the card and I say, hey, you know what? We're going to talk to this guy about what it was like to be dead. Yeah. I think we could go way down a rabbit hole if there's if there's really anything to talk about there. But I, right. I just want to point out that maybe we have the Atlanta I Used to Be Dead podcast. Yeah. And, and we'll do that next week. Yeah. But yeah, so you died and you get to tell me, you get to look me in the eye and say, so I was dead and now I'm not. Yeah, a uh, tennis court saved my life. And how that happened, and for those that haven't read about it or seen uh, the story on Tennis Channel or Tennis Magazine, you know, every day I, I breathe, I wake up with a different perspective than I did before coming out of that coma. Um, I was dead on a tennis court for 18 minutes. 
They shocked me four times with an AED, an automated external defibrillator. And my brother was screaming, Jensen's never quit. Kate needs you. Billy needs you. Duke needs you. He was told to, to, to talk to me as I lied dead on that court. And they, they uh, performed chest compressions and CPR. There are people in attendance. It was that AED court side that's, that uh, give me the capacity to be able to speak with you today because two more shocks in the ambulance on the way to the emergency room, they finally got a pulse. And so the chest compressions and CPR and the, uh, the AED shocks produced enough oxygen in my brain so I am speaking uh, and I have cognitive. Um, my brain function is healthy, thank God. And so the last 18 months or so, I've been recovering. I wasn't capable of, of walking without falling down. I had almost like a vertigo. My, the world was spinning for me. I suffered skull fractures, concussions, and broken teeth from the landing on the hard court, uh, catching, uh, catching myself with my head. And today I ran four miles prior to this podcast in the rain, grateful, grateful. And I wasn't able to, um, we weren't sure if I'd ever play tennis or walk or talk again. And today I'm walking, talking, playing tennis better than I've ever played in my life. And I have learned how to not only live every day like it's my last, but to um, appreciate every little detail of what's happening uh, and what matters right now. And I look at life today as, as my resume. What, resin, what do I want on my resume, on my deathbed? And I had a pretty good resume leading up to uh, October 29th, 2021 with my cardiac arrest. My rebirth day coming out of that coma was, is November 4th. And since that day, I have made deposits and invested in in life in a way I've never done before. And uh, what I'm doing today as a result that wasn't on the whiteboard, you know, there's someone that said that everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, I got punched in the mouth again and uh, and the love that was given to me from the game of tennis and the prayers and the love that my family received, I'll never be able to repay that debt. And the way I repay it is by ensuring that wherever there's a tennis court, there's an AED. Wherever there's a group gathered, there's an AED and that I could potentially educate any way I can. I'm truly grateful for the opportunity to share what had happened to me and my only motive behind sharing it is that hopefully I my my experience can give hope and my experience can maybe help somebody. I could care less 
about the more anonymous mind I seek out in my life, the less anonymous I'm becoming. Now, the universe says, now we're going to give you a cardiac arrest and you're going, you and Damar Hamlin are going to speak on a hearing at the Congress alongside Chuck Schumer and a bunch of other fancy. Uh, go ahead in Congress, Murphy. And uh, you and Damar are going to be buddies. Um, I love Damar Hamlin. And I even said to him, buddy, of all the people on, on this this ball of dirt we live on, the sky chief of the universe chose you on national TV to be saved by an AED, by chest compression, CPR, live. The number three is the most popular number in the world. From where I sit, and it's funny, my number is four. So. Um, gonna have to make a hat. Um, anyway, that's what's going on. I'm currently in northern Michigan. Uh, my five-year-old calls at daddy's baby home. And in the backyard is the tennis court that my family built with our bare hands and cut down trees and carried out wood and, and poured down concrete and learned to play the game of tennis. And now there's, in all the cracks on the court, there's Beautiful daisies and flowers blooming, and it's so beautiful, beautifully ugly that we don't want to resurface it. You know, um, it, it's it tells the story of a family that made the impossible possible. You know, mom and dad were uh, school teachers, um, um, you know, not big salaries in the early seventies. You know, at best twenty grand a year each, and. Uh, Four kids making it to Wimbledon. Four kids making it to the Grand Slam level, and from a Christmas Christmas tree farm. And you know, the sky's the limit. Anything's possible. When I'm up there on my run, and I'm thinking about the people that that think there are limits. I mean, anything's possible if you put in the work. Do the daily disciplines, whether it's on a tennis court or in the classroom. You know, dreams do come true if you've got the, the roadmap and the recipe and you do the work and, and uh, love it. You know, I'm 55 in October. And I'm calling Wilson and the engineers and the developers of Rackets four days a week. And we're talking about technology and engineering of Rack String. And I'm, what's in these balls today? Because Carlito Alcaraz hits a forehand that's like from outer space. You know, it's like there's no gravity when he hits that forehand on grass. Like, Let's go. How does how can Murphy get that forehand, right, guys? Who's coming with me? Go tennis. I mean, I could find a hundred thousand people in Atlanta that would sell their house for that forehand. You know, that's a true story. That's a big forehand, Bobby. How does he hit that forehand? Racket at speed. I, I have no idea. He goes like this. <laughs> It just, you hear it. I don't see it. I hear it. <laughs> I can't see that well anymore. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, 
So that's what's going on in the world of Murph is uh, first and foremost, uh, my family and uh, my relationship with my, my HP, higher power. And uh, I want to do God's will all day, every day, whatever that looks like, you know. And, uh, and today it looks like uh, helping those like me that uh, ch have challenges with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, the feeling of being overwhelmed. I'm really focused on children, uh, my children's children. What services and support can we have in place to help those? And the way we're doing that is helping communities through employers, you know, as an anonymous, confidential first line of defense. You know, the whole world doesn't need to know. Um, I share my story because my heart has been healed over time. And my mental health issues are directly related to my heart health issues. You know, and that heart, heart cardiac arrest came out of left field. You know, I, I'm in perfectly good shape. I'm in the best physical shape I've ever been in my life leading up to that. I'm on a tour with the Bryan brothers and Sam Query and some dudes and everything to live for and, you know, get punched in the mouth. <laughs> well, you said get punched in the mouth, but you very specifically said get punched in the mouth again. And I think that's the hard part for those, especially from a mental health point of view. And thankfully, I don't have a lot of direct experience with, with struggling like that. I've got my own struggles as we all do, but you said again, and that's the thing. Some people get up and Bobby and I have a, have a friend here in town and his, his phrase is you fall down seven times, you get up eight, but you get punched in the mouth once and your plan goes out the window and you get yourself back up and you think, okay, that was my time. That was my hard time. Right. And then all of a sudden it just happens again. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, it's, it's, I got no, uh, I had some, to tell you the truth, and I haven't shared this publicly, but I had some survivor's guilt, you know, and my first question to my therapist was, why was I still here? And so we're all finding out the last 16 months was about recovery and walking again and talking again and you know, the, the concussions and skull fractures, you know, still have, you know, loud noises. My left ear rings 24-7. And again, I got it good. I, I'm covered. Because of my recovery from SUD and mental health stuff, that really serves me. That serves me in life on a tennis court because, oh, I'm having a bad day. Compared to what? That's my point of reference. I'm covered, man. I had a milkshake last night with a little whipped cream on top and the cherry. And, and uh, I wasn't going to miss that at my hometown House of Flavors Blue Moon ice cream. I mean, this is unbelievable. Speaking again. So I'm sitting across the table at the House of Flavors in Ludington, Michigan. And I tell my wife the story. When I was six, seven years old, 
My dad rewarded me and I got a pair of Jack Purcell blue Converse shoes. There's a picture of me hitting a lob with my Wilson wood racket at the courts. My dad afterwards takes me to the House of Flavors and he gets me a blue moon in the glass, tall glass with the whipped cream and the red. You can imagine like this aqua blue. People, I hope you check it out. House of Flavors, Ludington, Michigan. And I'm seven years old. And my reward for good tennis and practicing hard was this milkshake. And I'm in my short tennis white shorts and my white shirt. And I'm T-boning this, uh, I'm just killing this milkshake. You know, brain freeze, I don't care. I spill it. Bam, it falls all over me. And I'm crying. I'm going, for the love of God, no. And uh, and I and I and I see the seat where I sat. It's it's just two two booths down from where I'm sitting with my six year old. And uh, and the owner of this restaurant rolls in. I'm telling the waitress this story. Her uncle was my best friend when I was little. And as I'm telling the story, I turn. My wife said something. The water glass. <laughs> it happens again. I'm covered in water. My six-year-old's laughing at me. So, you know, I've learned not to tell the, the, the world or the universe my plans. You know, I can stay right here where I'm at. I could do the footwork in this thing called life on and off the court and in work and into my family. If I'm coming from a place of how I can help and how I can help my wife or my kids or my neighbors or my community, I have a much better, what I can give rather, how I get stable in life is by coming from a place of service. When I'm thinking about Murphy all the time, who needs that? When I'm thinking about how I can uh, be helpful or useful in my day, I'm 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 where I need to be on the beam. You know, I'm in that pocket, and the psychiatrists will call it flow. You know, back in the day. Uh, Bobby, you remember that we were treeing. We're in the zone, man. And, and the best tennis I ever played was when I wasn't thinking. And I'm sure. feeling it. And I'm not hitting tennis balls. I'm feeling tennis balls. People say, I want to hit a forehand like so-and-so. Which one? Because I've got infinite forehands. It just depends on the situation. If the ball <laughs> is high off the ground, I'm going to dig it up like a golf shot. If I'm... Up here, I'm going to flatten it out. And so I don't limit what's possible in my day going forward and, and my life going forward. And I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And if anybody thinks they do, you know, welcome to reality. The reality is uh, my recovery from all this has taken away the permanence that life used to pretend to offer me, that I'd be great if I'm never going to lose. Look how good I am. Or I'm this going to be great forever or crap forever. No, this too shall pass this moment. And then there's then there's next one. And what I 
shared with my teams in World Team Tennis were the, the principles of my recovery, which is I you can't stay clean on yesterday's shower. The practice and the workout and the wins from yesterday aren't helping me today. I've got to make those deposits, make those investments, keep on working, keep on trucking and doing what I know is the next right thing. And uh, the other thing is I, I learned in recovery, I couldn't unscramble scrambled eggs. <laughs> you know, none of this life in the world of tennis happens without uh, a team. And, and our team was led by our mom, Patricia Jensen, and, and she taught me uh, the principles to live by, which, you know, we were successful uh, in the tennis world, not because of necessarily what we accomplished on the court. It was more how we treated people and how we uh, were willing to sign every autograph until two o'clock in the morning on Arthur Ashe Stadium, or at that time was Armstrong, and uh, and that we knew that we were given an, a very uh, precious gift: a to be decent tennis players, b to be on the tour as tennis players. That was a gift to be playing. Louis Armstrong or center court Wimbledon, that's a gift. I don't care if it's first round or first round qualities or the qualifier for the qualifier. That's a gift. Playing this game is a gift. You know, living the, living this life is a gift. And it might be hard, um, but it was, it was through those challenges that our family uh, set us up for everything. It was, if it was easy... You know, to, to to go win a major, everyone would be doing it. And I don't take it for granted, you know. So, and, and you don't need to be, uh, win a grand slam to be successful. You can go out there and, and lose first round and three, five championships and be successful. You went out there and went for it. That's successful. You, you, you came up bloody and beaten and you gave it your best shot. That's successful. It's, it's not, you know, a Ferrari and a private jet and a fat bank account. It, it's it's loving what you do and giving love wherever you can. That's successful. Yeah. I like that a lot. Can you tell us the, can you give us a bit of the We Connect, kind of the, the personal so the personal explanation, because earlier you gave us the official, here's what we do. This is what the yeah. marketing team wrote to say, all right, Murphy, when somebody asks, what does WeConnect do? Here yeah. are the words and here's the order that they come in. Yeah. Well, what is WeConnect for you? You say you're going to answer the phone. I'm sure it's not always you because you're busy, but helping everyone, helping how? If I'm in Atlanta, how does WeConnect help me? Well, there's Access for All, which anybody on the planet can download the free mobile application. And there are upwards to six, eight support group meetings for family, loved ones, grief. It not only helps those with substance use disorder, there are meetings that are, um, you know, anonymously and confidentially, I think is, is key, led by peer recovery support specialists, you know. If I am going to a tennis court, I want to have someone uh, helping me learn the game that have, knows how to play the game, knows the rules of the game, knows what's going on. So these peers are people with lived experience that are nationally and state certified in crisis prevention. 
And these support group meetings are magical. Um, I know that uh, to get through a crisis or they end up creating a community. So number one, people from Atlanta, anybody can download the app. You know, the way prior to COVID, the only support you could get was maybe through uh, maybe your church, maybe the problem with it, or maybe, maybe through a 12-step program. And there's just so much stigma and guilt and shame around someone seeing you. So to leverage technology to allow me to be in a meeting with someone from Australia, right? That, you know, oh my God. I've been scared too, or I'm overwhelmed now, or how am I going to get the bills paid and the, the kitchen sink is filled to the gills and you're in a support group. You know, the thing about life is, is that the brain and the ego will tell me that I, I've got to do this thing alone. And, and, I, and what my recovery has given me is I don't have to be alone in all this. And I'm not alone. And my problems aren't unique. And that takes the weight and the size and the magnitude of those problems down to right size. Okay. This is what's what's going on. Um, back to, to your original question is, uh, yeah, and then whether it's your health insurance or employers, your, where you work makes a difference. I, I'm going on a worldwide tour to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to create, form an alliance of CEOs and chief human resources officers where we're going to make the worst workplace a safe environment and a healthy environment that it's, uh, that, that at least the admission that these, these issues come up. We spend a third of our lives in the workplace. Why wouldn't we have services and support way before it becomes a problem? Because I don't know who said this, but the idea that one has to hit rock bottom before they can get help, it's like saying that, that I need to get to stage five terminal cancer before things can get better. Terminal. Not happening. And if we're not, we don't take this serious, um, you know, we'll be going to a lot of funerals. You know, the fentanyl epidemic and the addiction epidemic and everything else and self-medication, but my mental health issues preceded my substance misuse. And whether what you were, if you were to ask anybody why they took, what's the, I mentioned motive earlier. What's my motive from the first drink? If it was my first drink at 12 or 13, what was my motive? My motive was there's some New York kids at a junior tennis tournament said, let's hit the mini bar and drink some vodka. I didn't know what vodka was. And that's not how I was raised. But I wanted your approval. I wanted your affection. I wanted you to like me. You know, hey, let's smoke, smoke a joint. What the hell is that? Once again, you know, I don't need anything outside of me to make me complete today. You know, I, I am enough. I measure up. And I've got what it takes, and I don't need a drink or a drug to uh, get where I need to go. So what I'm sharing with you is the messaging and the love and the language of recovery. And that's embedded in the We Connect platform. I love it. I've been, for some reason, there's a theme in what I see in movies and television now. And as I, 
as I get older and my, my own family now and my own interests have shifted a little bit, of course. And the theme I see right now is whatever you're going through in life, if you try to hide it and keep it from yourself, everything goes awful and you're in a horror movie. And everything just goes bad because you're trying to deal with it yourself. And you've got demons in your head, whatever television show I was watching, whatever it was. Something's going wrong with the character and the yep. character doesn't tell anyone. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It's the whole reason everything goes bad. Yeah. Yeah. The characters that are able to come forward and say, I'm having visions or for some reason my left leg doesn't work right. When you admit it, when you talk about it, when you share what's going on with you, and I know it's hard. Yeah. Many of us have been there, but yeah. just to say it to somebody, yeah, to not be embarrassed by that and say, oh, for some reason I can see a, a purple dinosaur over there. And the, just say it when you say it out loud, for some reason, others are able to help you. Yeah, I, I heard an expression that which was, I'm only as sick as my secrets. Oh, I like it. You know, but at the same time, to have a safe place to share that stuff. You know, uh, a safe place where I'm not going to be judged, where I'm not going to be, I think empathy, we need to overdose this planet with more empathy and love and compassion and more understanding as opposed to toughen up. Well, dual diagnosis and certain mental health conditions aren't chosen for oneself. And suicidal ideation, you know, that's a real thing. And if you, and I will start leaking oil right here uh, on the Go Tennis podcast because children between the ages of 14 and 20, 22, leading cause of death is a uh, second leading cause of death. And I think it was every 90. It, Bad numbers, bad statistics, even more than the fentanyl overdoses, accidental overdoses. And addiction is a disease. And we all have minds, you know, and as being able to determine the truth from the false, what's going on in my head, by what you're saying, by me sharing with mom and dad, mom and dad's making a safe place to say, dad, um, I'm scared. I think it's really important. I tell my 24-year-old son, he's turning 24, that I've got anxiety and I don't want to go on an airplane and I don't want to leave home. I tell my big boy that. He says, Dad, you're going to be okay. And so that takes the weight. You know, the more I, like you said, this: if I don't say something, I go this way. If I, it, the more I focus on the problem, the more the problem increases. The more I, the solution is to share it you know, and I don't care if it's a priest, a rabbi, um, a therapist. The good news is children at a at a rate never seen before in, in maybe our history are talking about anxiety, are talking about screen addiction, are talking about things. Um, they got to. And I think it's because outlets are in the, the channels. And there's a better way to go. There is a way to go. And the way is, uh, for me, no way is the way. <laughs> I let go of everything. My attachment to results, my attachment 
And that's how I can go to Bobby's zone and be in the tree serving 40 aces a match when I don't say what it's supposed to look like and I go out and enjoy tennis, be in joy as opposed to being in fear. I can't lose this. My UTR ranking is going to go down the tubes. Of course you're going to play like crap. Good luck. And back to the way, my, my big boy was playing like junior national tournaments and stuff. And he says to me, and, and like, we're hitting on the wall. He can't even breathe. He's so nervous before the match. And after the words, you know, he came and, uh, you know, second service. And then he says to me after the match, Dad, if I can just get out of my own way, opportunities just fall in my lap on that tennis court. And that's what I'm talking about. And that's been my experience. Bobby? Well, I, I, I can't tell you how you hate even to say this out loud. On, on the way home, my, my daughter informed me how one of her theater mates' father had just committed suicide. And, you know, what are they going to do to help this family? And you sit there, you know, and, and really that's what it's all about. I mean, yes, the, the gentleman killed himself. He's gone. He left a wife and two kids that now have to try to find their way in this world. And, you know, how did it get, you know, the, the sad part is how did it get here? How did, it, and, and I, you know, the theories, of course, and I'm not a social media guy, not a fan of it. I, I you know, I, I think it's causing way too many problems. And you would think in an age where communication is so easily accessible, we'd communicate more, but our communication and, 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 you know, all the, the researchers coming out just last week with the sub accident, what the, the world is seeing is just a complete lack of empathy and on so many levels. And it's, it's horrifying. And, you know, we've become a, you know, we, we, we see other people's pain and it's a joke. It's, you know, we laugh that, you know, whatever it is. And obviously the world needs outlets and we need people to, to get out there and talk about it and make people realize it's okay to say things out loud and not just look at my house, look, you know, the, the, the good stuff, you know, talk about everything, talk about everything. So this is, I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time listening just because it, it, you know, out of all the days, this is really strike in the bow. Well, thanks for sharing that, Bobby, because what I, what first thing I, I felt uh, when you shared that story is what you shared, which is the family and how are they going to survive, right? And that's mission critical. My prayers to that gentleman, that was a very sick guy, yeah. you know, that, and if we think that we are immune, that, that we, that this could never happen to me, we're delusional. And from my personal experience, this, like I may have mentioned already, this stuff is a disease of isolation. And this can be a very scary place if I'm allowing it to run the show, right? And I can tell you a number of uh, famous people that a couple I knew that took their lives 
and and were in sound minds, sober individuals, had everything to live for, successful lives. Those are, you know, very, very, very sick, um, mentally um, not well, you know, to, to, to go down, to execute, you know. The, the statistics say that, it, you know, those thoughts it will, the attempt will happen within the first, I think, hour, minutes or something like that. Of uh, so, timing is really critical, and that's where I I look at, you know. And please, nobody take this the wrong way. I look at the services and support from WeConnect as that mental health AED that's close by. Someone goes down, there is support and services in a way where that, see this phone gets really, really heavy to call and say, I need help. I'm struggling. You know, and if, you, if you've got kids and family, this thing's hard. Let's admit it. Life can be really hard. It's it's extremely beautiful, but it can be really hard. And how I, you know, I, I get a daily reprieve. You know, I'm doing this day and not just like, hey, one day at a time. No, I get a daily reprieve. I need I do certain disciplines that are gonna combat exercise. It comes down for me to a relationship with myself. And it was the unpacking of the goods in my head that I was the greatest thing since sliced bread or the worst thing that's ever lived, right? Neither one are true. Let's get Murphy over here, right-sized his thoughts in a place that's manageable, where I can manage these fears come up for all of us. These anxieties come up for all of us. Oh, my God, we spent that much this month, right? How are we going to get out of this hole, right? Okay. And I've seen the worst of the worst um, impossible situations not only survive but thrive in life. But these tools need this communication that we're sharing in this podcast. This is a very unusual podcast, maybe the most unusual I've ever done. Um, <laughs> But this stuff is for real. And, and for me, it's all about the relationship with myself. And then there's stuff that people are born, you know, like I had I had anxiety when I was little, you know, I had anxiety, anxiety on the playground of, of getting pounded on or whatever. And um and so where did it all come from? I want to arm our, our children and our children's children with tools and, 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 and a support system that, more importantly, what do I do when I'm anxious, when I'm afraid as a, a sixth grader going into the middle school, right? That's tough. And then you're going to be a freshman. How do I say no? How do I have enough self-respect to say no to that? drink or or decision how do i make better decisions wiser decisions well i have to have a pretty good relationship with the boy or girl in the mirror 
You know, what, what's my relationship with me? And the thing about prayer or intentions is that I can think about and pray for everybody else, but usually we're the, we never think of ourselves except for what I can get. But like, you know, you know, it's, it's that relationship that I, I've learned to, to have with myself that has made all the difference in my recovery. And I still participate in my recovery. I will always participate in my recovery because guess what? The rewards are awesome, right? How free do you want to be? I want to be really free. <laughs> you know, you can't get leverage on me if I don't have, you know, if I don't give a rip, you know, and it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like that definition of free too. It's a, nobody, nobody can own, nobody can own me. Nobody has leverage on me. Right. And uh, and it's that's back to what am I attached to? What am I, what am I seeking your approval and affection and your power, control, all those little things and the daily disciplines? I get I get the discipline and, and all of it by doing the ritual. And I learned that through the game of tennis is the practice I put in and make the investment in my serves and my point. And it really comes down as to for me is contrary action. The things I don't want to do are usually the things I should do. I don't want to go for a run today. <laughs> go for a run. It's the opposite. Life, right? life, I find, is about opposites. You get close to the net, and all of a sudden you want to swing. You get too far back at the baseline, and you stop swinging. It's always we, the natural tendency is the opposite of what should happen. Do the things that don't make sense is what has saved my life. There you go. You hit your knees in the morning by your bedside. It's it's not so much a it's not a religious thing. It is a um, it's a for me a humbling thing hmm. that I have the humility that I I literally use these words. I constantly remind myself I'm no longer running the show. I just do the work, do the footwork, and leave the results up to the big amigo. And I and I give it everything I got. And there will be times I I I win when I'm favored to lose, and there are times I lose when I'm favored to win. And then sometimes there will be a tie, or maybe it'll rain, and um, and it's out of everybody's hands. Yeah, very true. And so you're speaking of out of your hands. You're perfectly healthy. You've told the story a million times, and I don't know that we need to go through the whole story. As you said, we like, we like to have a strange podcast as often as we can, because we find that ah. interesting. It, everybody else does all the same stuff. We, we like to do to have something unique. And so we want to bring We Connect as best we can to Atlanta. And so mm -hmm. Go Tennis is going to get in touch with you, of course. And we're yep. going to figure out how we can share this. I've got it up on the screens, uh, you guys can't see what I'm looking at, but the live version has your WeConnect site on the side. So I'm, I'm scrolling through that to be able to see it. And I forgot to turn off my ringer. Sorry about that. Well, every, every single employer, organization, institution, uh, whether it's a hospital system, I think that the quickest way to make this available, and it also covers spouses and dependents. You know, so if, if AT&T, if Delta Airlines, they've got great EAP programs and amazing benefits. We're working with a number of benefits brokers. 
because we want to get this made available to everybody we can, whether it's a company of 10 people or 10,000 people. Why wouldn't I have, uh, as a CEO, share the insight that I care about everybody that works here? That's what we're really saying. Um, and it's an affordable lifeline. We, we haven't um, made this where we never wanted money to be a reason that people couldn't get access for help. And that's why at the very least, there's access for all. The free downloadable version of the app with support group meetings. And to take it a step further, employers and health plans, and, and it's been the most, like I mentioned at the top, most important and impactful work of my life. And this is affecting every single town, community, city, industry, oil, gas, construction, you name it, um, trucking. It's, uh, and it's not hard to get motivated and pumped to go, to go to work today because we might just save someone's uh, dad from offing themselves. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, heartbreaking. And, and so do I, uh, I got to get to work. We got to get to work. We can get out of bed. I can't. And and well, you you've given me the opportunity to share this work and our platform with you. Um, so just know that you're helping. You're helping people and helping. You're part of the solution today. Go tennis. I love to hear it. Uh, and I've got my king of tennis question that I want to do. Bobby, you got you got one more. For Murphy, because I know this is one of those times we could be here till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just love the whole the definition of freedom. I thought it was out because you know we immediately say freedom, we think of financial freedom. Murphy even used business acronym in describing it, but really it gets down to your first freedom has to be yourself. And you know that that is a message. If we can make a poster or that you know my grandmother before she died she looked at me and said i know you want to save the world take care of yourself first and it seems selfish but it's there was there were good marching orders it's incredible that you made me think about the the sticker i have where i brush my teeth <laughs> and it says you're looking at the problem <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame the world and the TV, you know, but I'm also looking at the solution. Yeah. You know, uh, but like, put the, I love your grandmother said that or your mom? Yeah, it's my grandmother. Yes. And your grandmother said that, you know, and save the world. No. And I, I can't give away something that I don't, that I don't have. Yeah. You know, so. Um, I never ask anybody to do like my dad used to teach his tennis um, that he wasn't willing to do himself. And I like that, Dad. Well done. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's like don't get my recovery or don't get my life. Get yours. You know, oh, I'm gonna be like Murphy, or I would think I should be like some other tennis player, right? I'm going to play like Djokovic today. Well, I'm left-handed. We already got a problem there. Well, I'm going to play like Rafa. Well, I don't speak Spanish, and his forehand is from another planet. But what's wrong with me being me? Maybe me is better than all of those guys. You know, cherish what you got. Well, and it should be the only thing you're good at. Because if you're spending your time you. trying to be somebody else, 
But back to your first question, who are you, Murph? What are you up to? That's what recovery has taught me is who I am, really, why I am here, and who walks with me. You know, and it's like the relationship with me, and then me and the spirit of the universe, and then me and you. Me and me, me and that, me and you. And now we're cooking. Because if if I am playing God in this world, we're all in trouble. <laughs> okay. We got a bigger problem than <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Well, so no, I- that leads perfectly in, into my last question, which is, okay, so maybe, Bobby, do we upgrade it? We say, okay, if you are tennis god, but we, we'll stick with, with what we have, which is the, the king of tennis. So if tennis did put you in charge, and aside, of, aside from, okay, let's assume we've got AEDs everywhere they need to be. Yep. Let's assume we connect. We're gonna from Go Tennis. I want to bring this to all of our members. I want to find a way to do that. You and I are gonna talk. Yep. So let's assume those things are done. Like those are the obvious things. So Murphy Jensen becomes king of tennis. What do you do? What do you change? Anything? A king of tennis. Professional tennis, amateur my, tennis, anywhere. Change in the game of tennis. I. Build more courts. <laughs> you can more tennis. Well, you, we we talk about that. That's one thing. I I think you make just no. And I always because I, my life is so recovery based. Um, access to to it's one thing more courts, but uh, get more teachers. You know, tennis teachers. You, you get more participation. It is, people ask me, you, they ask you too, what do you think of pickleball? What do you think? Of, I think it's great. People got a racket in their hand. They're participating. People that never would play tennis. Right. And I think it's a great entry level for the game of tennis. There will be someone winning a grand slam that said, I started off on pickleball court. Did you know that? That will happen. And because it's the learning curve, you know, it's kind of like mini golf. I don't know about you, but I played mini golf before I played 18 holes. <laughs> <laughs> the pickleball folks would get mad at me for saying that, but I love everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, the king of tennis, just for the U.S., the whole world of tennis? It, your, your point of view. So I like a lot of people come in, they say, okay, we want accessibility or we like affordability. And you've mm-hmm. covered both of those, more courts, more coaches. But you're king, which means what? Is it all free? Like you got to pay the coaches. You got to build the courts. So yeah. as, as a king of tennis, whether it's the whole world or maybe it's just in Ludington, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Ludington, did I get that right? Yeah, Ludington, Ludington Michigan. Is, is there something you'd change? Or uh, what did Luke mention about the, the coaching in professional tennis? So there's whatever's on your mind. And I know I took away your two obvious answers okay no that's fine and, and i mentioned those right the, yeah. the, the affordability and accessibility uh the truth is that for the game of tennis is a beauty and that it teaches a person uh, like why like let's figure out if there's this simon sinek who talks about find your why why would we play tennis and what is missing? 
and what things that I experienced or didn't experience, what tools can we have embedded? And to tell you the truth is, I think number one, how it's taught needs to change. Um, and I'm talking about the, the mental side of it. This is a game that helps a person solve problems because no two opponents are the same. No two forehands in the pro game are the same. Roger Federer's forehand looks totally different than, than uh, Novak's or Rafa's. All three of those guys, totally different shots, totally different games, yet timing. When they hit that ball is universal, right? Not how, but when. And so one of the things I care about, as I just talked about for an hour, is mental health, is I would like mental health to be a priority from a tight's first lesson where we're going to sit and we're going to breathe. Right? We're going to breathe. Because the more I'm in tune with me, the better I'm going to be. The more I'm going to enjoy and love what I'm doing. We are going to play tennis. We're not going to work tennis. I hear from a lot of ex-professional tennis players. Now I'm playing for fun. What the heck were you doing when you, you should have been for fun? That should have been fun. You're a steel stranger, man. You know, you can say that. Well, what does fun mean? That means be enjoy. Enjoy. Don't you think, Bobby, you play way better when you're out there smiling and woo? Well, that's why we play music all the time right. to stay loose. That's the only way Bobby will play. Is for <laughs> yeah. So to to be enjoy out there, be loose, and to be free, and to, to to to. I don't look at what I can get from tennis. I look what I can give give to tennis. Now imagine if that was taught to a five year, six year. What I can give to this hour in front of us and talk like that and communicate that language as a teacher and a coach of a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, by 11, they're making really good decisions. And, and they don't need to win that trophy to be number one. And they don't need, and, and here's the other side of that coin, that parts of life are going to hurt. You know, you're going to lose grandpa or grandma sometime down the road. And that's going to hurt, but you'll get through it. And something else is going to happen. You might fail that test or not get into that college you're dreaming about. You'll get through it. And then you and there'll be things that you weren't expecting that turn out to be the best thing that could happen to you. And you'll get through that too. And you're going to get through it. And uh, pretty cool. I think as the king of tennis, that's what I would really like to see is that um, there was more emphasis on the, the juniors being prepared for uh, life, uh, for physical health, mental health, um, all of it. You know, I think that's the coolest thing. Well, again, I I love it. And and how do we make that the trophy? How do we make the process? Like you said, I, I you know my senior year in high school, I was you know worked hard. I you know played baseball ran track, decided the last year and a half, I'm going to dedicate myself to tennis. Well, I was way too late. Even I'm a little older than you, but still back then we still couldn't do that. But, you know, I tried, I got up in the morning before school. And when I got beat that last match, I walked up and said, you know what? It was a good run. It was where I enjoyed what I learned. 
through the process to get better. It wasn't going to end that day the way, you know, the storybook is supposed to end. But I, I felt great about a loss. I loved what Giannis said, you know, when the Bucks lost this year, you're calling me a failure because we lost. The, the process should be what we learn about ourselves, the exercise. The, and again, you, I have the same way I always catch myself. I use work and I use work as the word and it's meant to be a positive. It's not you should hate this. It's or, or even worse today. We use discipline as a bad word. Discipline has become punishment, not the process of doing something to, to get any kind of result. And, you know, how, that's to me is the, is the key or the trick. How do we instill this kids instead of an A or instead of a trophy or instead of a gold ball? How do we get the kids to realize, man, it's it's the joy of the competing, of being above ground, tr man, approaching another challenge. You know, what's well, next? What is that? Perspective. Yeah, it's perspective. And I don't think taking trophies away. We, we go out there and work for it, earn for it, and losing is part of it, and, and hurting is part of life. And Absolutely. that doesn't mean that defines who you are and what you're made of. It means that maybe I need to go work in my forehand. Maybe right. I need to put in more work. Maybe I need to run. I love what uh, the Mamba mentality is. Mm -hmm. I'll do it myself. Every day I look in the mirror. Did I get better today? Did I get better today? Did I make that investment? Am I improving today? I'm winning. Yeah. I would rather lose a match and improve than win a match and get worse. Right. So, you know, this is part of my getting better today was, was joining you guys and lifted weights. I ran four miles. It's raining. So tennis looks out of the cards. Maybe I'll go for a bike ride and a swim in Lake. My wife says can't go in Lake Michigan, but I'm going to keep making those deposits into getting better. And even at 54 years old, I, I'm pretty sure these, my joints are all still good that I, I am possibly playing the best tennis of my life, maybe better than when we won the French. How is that possible? You only hear it on the strangest tennis podcast in the world. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I'm delusional there. This guy Murphy really does have mental health issues. Um, and I say that with love because, you know, it was. I can tell you, man, it, if you're going for it at that extreme, but at the same time, there should be some enjoyment. Like, hey, I. Um, what did I say? Now I'm having fun playing. <laughs> Are you talking about? You should be able to go to work and have fun. Yep. Be productive. Be pushed. Be challenged. You know, man, you, the other kids getting the ribbons and the medals and the trophies only, only motivated me. You know, I want some of that. I'm as good as that guy or girl. My mom got us some indoor tennis facilities, allowed us to practice some more. And we started getting some of those trophies and eventually gold balls. And Luke become, became the number one junior player in the world in singles and doubles. But then the universe had a different plan when he walked through a, in New Zealand. He's maybe top 100 in singles. And he puts his hands through a glass door and he's taking a year and a half off. I mean, Luke was number one in the world juniors, singles and doubles, and beat Thomas Mooster on clay 0-0 at 18. 0-0, oh, no, man. 
and number one in college tennis and everything else, but something happened. There was no, it was, it was a unsafe glass and he sliced his hands. And when he came back, money was tight and they doubles took off and then I turned pro and then we win the French. There was different plans. Luke, Boris Becker, you know, I, I, I'm leaking oil that, that he's a beautiful guy. And he went Wimbledon at 17, 18. You know, it, it's a long game, this thing called life. And we got in his uh, in his best stuff. I pray is still in front of him, you know. And that, um, yeah, it's it's not it's it, this thing called life ain't, ain't a joke, but it can be enjoyed, and it can be you know, you can get through some stuff. And and I, I can't believe that I'm even gifted with the life I have today. But it was all a direct result of uh, a white flag moment where I raised the white flag of surrender. You know, I'm working on some stuff and writing everything I experienced and how I learned to surrender to win. You know, I surrendered my idea what this match is supposed to look like, what this talk is supposed to look like, what this speech or this whatever I'm doing, what this day is supposed to look like. I surrender to the unknown and allow miracles to happen bam you know opportunity for service bam you know opportunity to spill some ice cream on my lap bam you know mom's on the phone on the podcast today um if i had known that it wouldn't have been a surprise you know and i'm doing monday with you gentlemen and in the tennis world and I need to get back to work or I'll get fired from my company. <laughs> exactly. We understand. Exactly. But you guys get it. And I'll tell you, any of your anybody that ever sees what we just created today, you know, I'm grateful that you took a look. And if I can ever be of service and helpful or useful to anybody that's family is hurting, because these issues affect everybody in every community. And and I, I built a... a a platform and a company that can help help people and you don't have to do it alone you know you, you that that story you shared bobby's for real and it's happening in real time as we speak for tens of thousands of families currently today if not millions you know that that are worried about their son or daughter with uh these these issues we talked about that are worried you know and i and i think uh Leading a healthy, active lifestyle begins with uh, my relationship with myself. You know, I make these choices and these decisions based on a love affair I'm having with myself that I didn't even know that I was allowed to have. You know, you know. So, thanks for your time, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate.com for use of the studio. And be sure to hit that follow button. For more tennis-related content, you can go to AtlantaTennisPodcast.com. And while you're there, check out our calendar of tennis events, deals on equipment, apparel, and more. And you should feel good knowing that shopping at Let'sGoTennis.com helps support this show. You can also donate directly using links in the show notes. And with that, we're out. See you next time.